Well, this weekend in the United States is Memorial Day weekend. When we remember those who have died in action and battle and and it's a time to remember and to reflect. And this morning we're talking about going with everything you've got. You know that idea and there are so many stories and so many remembrances that people have of those in the military who have given everything they have. It makes me think of a story back during World War II and at that time they were taking luxury liner ships and turning them into ships for troops to haul them from the United States to Europe or to other parts of the world. And there was one particular ship in 1943 that left out of the U.S. called the USS Dorchester and it left with 900 men on it. And as it was going through near Greenland through the Labrador Sea, there was a report that the, that the captain gave to the troops that night. He said, I would suggest, not order, but suggest that you sleep with your life jackets because we have spotted three enemy submarines near us. Well, this, this ship was also had four chaplains on the ship. And those chaplains did everything you would think they would do. They, they were there to prepare religious services and conduct them. They were there for counseling. They were there to listen to problems. <clears throat> they were there to do all the things you would imagine that a chaplain or minister would do. They were also the activity directors for the boat. They were the ones who would, uh, they would prepare sing-alongs for the, for the troops and different activities for the troops. But on this particular night... Sure enough, one of those submarines shot a torpedo toward the USS uh, Dorchester that hit it right in the middle. Some of the troops were killed immediately. Others were running up the stairs trying to get up, up to the top, to the deck. When they got there, there were the four chaplains who were in charge of activities, and they were handing out life vests to those that didn't have them. Now, I'm not completely sure why. I don't know if they didn't have enough or if they just couldn't get to them, but they ran out of life vest. And each of the four chaplains took off their life vest and gave them to those men who were there trying to save their lives and getting into little boats and going away from the wreckage. It all took only 18 minutes to happen. Some of the soldiers said, the only thing that kept me going was in those final minutes, it was the chaplains who were preaching to us saying, you have courage, take courage, you can do it, you can do it. And said so those chaplains kept us going and we got into the boats and we put on our life vests and we made it. And another one of those men who made it said he turned around and confirmed the reports of others that the four chaplains were arm in arm, the last thing they saw is that ship went down and they went down. You see, they gave it everything they had. A special award was given for those chaplains, created for them. They gave it everything they had because they loved their troops, but more importantly, and they loved their country, but more importantly, they loved God and felt it was part of what they were doing as their duty to God to help save other lives. Wow. Giving it everything they had. 
This morning we're going to go to a passage of scripture that I've talked about several times lately, but we're really going to look at it in-depthly today. It's in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 32. You've heard it. I hope you know it. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, all 603, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Now tonight we'll talk a little bit about the second commandment. But this morning we're going to delve into that first one. And unfortunately for some of us, we have heard it so many times. You have probably already fallen asleep thinking, what did he even say? Because you've heard it so many times. I don't blame you for that. I can understand how that happens. Today we're going to think about it. What does it mean? What is he saying here really? What is this when we get right into the depths of it? Because if this is the most important of all the commandments, we better understand what he is saying. And so this is part of it. That I love God with everything I am and with everything I own. Every piece of me loves God. From my head to my toes, I love God. That's what Jesus is asking for. Now let me say as we go through this, most of us never get close to this. Although we're trying, this is tough to do because we have this problem with sin and selfishness. But that I'm to love God with everything I am and with everything I own. With all of my dreams and desires. And you say, what do you mean by that? What is it you desire in life? Where does God fit in that picture? Is he the center of that picture? Because he does not want to be an add-along because just adding it along the side is not loving God with all of our heart. How does God fit in the midst of my desires and my dreams? That doesn't mean that you have to be a missionary to the Congo. It doesn't mean that you have to be a preacher in Houston. But where is God in my dreams and my desires? How do I love God? With all my heart and all my soul and all my mind and all my strength. And this morning what I'm praying is, I'm praying that because you tuned in, because you're on YouTube, our webpage, or on Facebook, and you are seeing this service, that somehow you're going to be different. Not because of me, but because you are going to see God in a way that you've never seen him before. That you are going to somehow be transformed in mind, in soul, in body, in, in heart, in strength today. Because you're going to see God's word like you've never seen it before. So what's he mean by heart, soul, and mind? Well, these are a little harder to, to kind of put our fingers on. But it's my inner being that with what is inside me, I love the Lord with everything. It's my thoughts and my wishes. It's my desires that I talked about. It's everything. That's my heart and soul and mind that what I'm thinking about is loving God and putting God first. And the way I love my spouse is, in, is 
partially in my love for God, in my love for my kids. It is love for God that motivates that. In love for whatever it is, it is God that is motivating all of that. When I love God with my heart and my soul and my mind, I long for God. Could it be that some of us don't long for God? Could it be that some of us are watching right now because we're afraid of lightning coming down? Could it be that some of us have kind of enjoyed the hiatus from God? Now, I hope you're closer to God because, during this quarantine, but could it be that some of us have kind of enjoyed letting our relationship with God wane? I pray that's not where you are, but could it be when I love God with my heart and my soul and my mind, I long for God and I truly want God to be praised. I want people to know him. I want people to love him. I want people to be baptized into him. And I pray for that and I think about it because it pleases God. You know, just as it is with our kids or with our spouse, we want what's best for them. And when somebody hurts them, it hurts us. When you see people sin and do things that obviously are not what God would want, does it hurt you? Because if it does hurt you and you say, oh, that makes me sick because I know it makes God sick. Then you start to understand what it is to love God with your heart and your soul and your mind. Is it when you say, boy, I just, want to, I just want to study some more. I want to serve some more in the name of God. I just want God to be everything. You know what you're doing when you do that? You're loving God or starting to love God with your heart and your soul and your mind. When you're in your car and you're driving down the road and you're thinking, I wonder what I could listen to. This kind of music or maybe a podcast that is Christian based about God or scripture. <clears throat> Excuse me. You are loving God with your desires, with your wishes, with your mind. And all once we start transforming, when those things become cumbersome, it may be that we are not loving God the way he called us to be. It's when I can say, his will be done, not mine. What I find myself doing a lot of times is saying, Lord, this is my will. Now, would you please conform to my will? But when I can say, Lord, I definitely have something I want. But I'm giving that up because I want what you want. That is loving the Lord my God with, with my heart, or at least starting that way with my heart and soul and mind, rather than loving David with all of my heart and soul and mind and strength. I think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. You remember the passage there when Jesus knows he's about to die. He's in the garden just before they come to arrest him. And it says, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, take this cup away from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. You see what he's saying? Father, there is something I obviously want, but I'm going to do what you want. That's whenever we start saying God is above all. You know, my heart is connected to my emotions. The two go together. I mean, it's where sadness comes from or joy comes from. 
to my heart in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 through 9. I want you to see what the Apostle Peter wrote to a persecuted church. He says, though you have not seen him, Jesus, you love him, or God. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Do you see what he says here? When you love him, you're going to have a joy that is inexpressible, that is glorious, that people are not even going to understand. Do you know who he writes this to? He writes it to a church that is scattered, that is running for their lives, who you might say is meeting in isolation. He writes that letter to them because of all they're going through. But their love was stronger than the fear of suffering. If they were going to suffer, they were going to suffer. Now, they weren't going to just walk out and say, kill me. But if it came, they were going to be able to do that because of an inexpressible joy that they had. You know, I think of a story that Frederick Douglass wrote in his by autobiography that some of you may remember or may have read before. Frederick Douglass was one of the greatest orators and abolitionists ever to live. He obviously lived about, I guess, 150 years ago, lived in an African-American that lived in a very difficult time in our country's history. He was born as a slave in Maryland. And as a slave... Uh, with slaves has often happened. His mother was sent or sold to another owner, another plantation, 12 miles away from her little boy, her baby boy. For whatever reason, they thought that was the best thing to do at the time. I don't agree, obviously. His mother worked in the fields all day long and often often at night she would walk those 12 miles sneak away from her plantation and walk 12 miles so that she could hold her baby boy and she could sleep just a few minutes or hours with her little son as he grew up and then she would walk home 12 miles so that she would be in the field by sunrise so that she wouldn't be whipped you see, if she were late, she would suffer. But what kept her going was a love for her son, and the love for her son was stronger than the fear of suffering. You see, that's when we start loving with all of our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength. When we love God so much that our love for God is greater than our fear of suffering. What Jesus says here, here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and mind. You may know that that, that comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. Yeah, we went through those things fast, didn't we? Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, you remember what they did with those, with this command. They were to write those things on their, 
on, a, on paper and put them in little boxes on their head or on their shoulders. They were to tell their children about it when they walked and everywhere they went. This was the passage, the Shema, that they were to know. One famous commentator, Walter Brueggemann, said, Nothing less is commanded than that Israel will be totally, exclusively, without reservation, devoted to the purpose of Yahweh in the world. You hear all those things totally, exclusively, without reservation, devoted to the purpose of God. And so we say that's Old Testament. And so as soon as Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He says to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your strength. And so what Jesus is saying, Christians, don't be cultural Christians. Don't be people who can't be casual Christians. Instead, if you love me and worship me and be committed to me totally, exclusively, without reservation, be completely devoted to God. You see, that's what God calls us to. I've separated out this one word, strength. Some of your Bibles will say might. Makes sense. They're both good words to use here. But sometimes they don't capture the meaning of what it is, strength or might. And sometimes we say, well, you know, what, if I were to ask you what is your strength, you might say, well, you know, my love for God. Well, it's more than that. That's a little bit redundant. What is it that is my strength that I love God with? Well, that word from the Old Testament is literally things like ability. It's what I hold on to. It's what I possess. Some commentator or some translators have said that if you were to really say what this word is, and it doesn't work very well in English, but what this word is, strength, is muchness. It's not on your screen. M-U-C-H-N-E-S-S. -S. It's not really a word for us. But that you love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, and all your muchness. And so you might say, okay, well, love God with strength. What in the world does that mean? Whatever you think you have, a, have much of, that's what you love God with. And so some of us might say, well, well you know, I'm really smart. I'm an intellect. You know, you, you have no idea what I made on the ACT or the SAT or the MCAT or the LSAT or the ZPAC or whatever it is that you took, whatever test it was. Yeah, that's what I am. I'm intelligent. Then love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and intelligence. And some of you may say, well, you know, it's my position. It's my position. You know, I, I have risen through the ranks in my company. And I'm the CIO or the CEO or the CFO or the COO or the COO, COO, whatever it is. And that I've risen and it's my position that makes me something that I'm really proud of if someone were to ask me. It's the letters after my name if someone were really to say, you make sure that you call me such and such. He says, then love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, and mind, and position. 
Some of us may say, well, I don't have, I'm not that smart and I don't have that big of a job. It's my personality. I can walk in a room and I can work a room. I can, I can make people happy. I can make babies happy and old people happy and everybody in between. It's my personality. He says, and love the Lord your God with all of your personality. That your personality is a worship and an honor to God. It is not about you. It is about God. So here's one that's a little bit more difficult for us sometimes. When he says strength here, this muchness, it would include our money. Oh, that's a meddling one, right? Preacher goes to meddling, right? This is a very giving church. It's about worshiping God with all of my muchness, all that I have, it's God's. Whenever the stock market is like a roller coaster, it makes us nervous sometimes. We start thinking, oh no, I was about to retire, or I had this much yesterday, and now today I have nothing, whatever. Sometimes we're very proud of our money, and we're proud that we happen to go into the right field at the right time to make the money that we make, or maybe it's because of our incredible intellect or our great personality that we have the money we have, we think, right? He says, whatever is your muchness. Interestingly, more than a third, more closer to 60% actually of the parables have something to do with money because we consider it so much. He said, with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength, money, position, personality, whatever it is, love the Lord your God. So whether it's what you're putting into the plate or whatever you're doing at home, you'll love the Lord your God with all of it. There's no little secret money over here on the side. There's no little secret thing that I can be proud of my, my position at work because of this or my intellect. No, 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 no. Love the Lord your God with all of it. It's interesting where this passage is placed in the book of Mark. When you start thinking about muchness and money. Two chapters earlier, a rich young ruler comes to Jesus and Jesus says, keep the commandments. Oh, I kept them all. And then Jesus, sell everything you have. You also give me your muchness and you can be my disciple. And the man goes away sad. You see what he's doing there? No, no. The most important commandment of all is to love God with everything I have and I am including what I might consider my safety net. And my safety net may be my money. My safety net may just be my great personality. It may be my job. It may be my intellect. No, we love God. We love God with everything. And then whenever I say your will be done, I can take whatever catastrophe or appears to be catastrophe that goes on. I can handle that because I want God's will to be done, not David's will to be done. It's about God. I think of an example in the Old Testament. Up on Mount Carmel, you remember there were the, there were the, the, the prophets of Baal against Elijah. And you remember the prophets of Baal were, were doing, wanting to do all kinds of crazy things. And Elijah 
challenges them while the people of Israel are there. And they can't decide, the people of Israel can't decide, are we going to follow God or are we going to follow this Baal? Yahweh or Baal, this false god? First <coughs> Kings 18, verse 21, Elijah went before the people and he said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. You remember at that sacrifice, if you don't remember it, go back and read 1 Kings 18. Baal did nothing. God took the sacrifice. Fire came down from heaven and lapped up all the water that was there and all the wood that was there. And then at that point, the people said, oh yeah, well, we're going to follow God. Follow God. He doesn't want us to kind of have one toe in the pool. He is saying, put your whole self in the pool. Follow, trust me, love me all the way, completely. And obviously, we all struggle with this sometimes. We all deal with sin. We all could improve our love for God. But some of us are afraid to love others, and some of us are even afraid to love God because we just don't know, right? Maybe I'm afraid to love. One of the most prolific writers, Christian writers of the 20th century, was C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis wrote in his book, The Four Loves, to love it all is to be vulnerable. To love anything and your heart, if you love anything, your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap your heart carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries and avoid all the entanglements. Lock your heart up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. Your heart will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The only place outside heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers of love is hell. And it is a pitiful thing to have a heart that is so hard and so afraid that it will not love. God has created us to be beings that love. He loved us first. And he wants us to love him with all of our heart and soul and strength and mind. And you know what? He loves us like that. He loves us and wants us to be with him forever. So this is what I ask you this morning. What am I holding back from God? All of us are probably holding back a little bit, aren't we? Some of us more than others. What am I holding back? God says, I want you. I will be with you and protect you. And I'll give you this home that is greater than anything. Just love me. Be honest and sincere and faithful. Love me. This morning, if you want to be baptized in Jesus, we'll make that happen. You can go to our website or, or 
put it on our, in the Facebook comments, whatever it is, we'll make that happen. Another thing, it's not on today because I forgot to put it on today. If you have comments or prayer needs, send it to elders at mcoc.org. At elders at mcoc.org. And if you want to be baptized, we'll arrange that. If you have prayers, we'll be praying for you. Let us know if it's just for the elders or just elders and ministers or just if it's for everyone can know. We want to help. Let's pray. Dear God, increase our love for you. Because, Father, we all have these pockets of selfishness that we hold back for ourselves. We think we get away with things. But when we're brutally honest, Father, we know that we have no hope. We have no secret places. Father, we love you. Thank you for being such a loving God because if you weren't, oh, things would be awful. But Father, you give us hope. You give us direction. You love us. And we need you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.